there are engineers that are still trying to figure out the infrastructure of this new internet. So it's interesting that we're already trying to abstract away all these technologies when they're not even in their mature stage yet. If you're someone who wants to contribute in this new realm of technologies, like this is the time to do that. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Mary Chris uh, to talk about some interesting stuff. But Mary Chris, do you want to say hello and tell us what you do and why you're here? Yeah, I'd love to. Hi, everybody. As Brian said, my name is Mary Chris. I am. I like to introduce myself by what I do in the day and at night. So during the day, I work as a developer advocate at Magic. Um, that means I wear a lot of hats. I connect with developers in a variety of platforms like Twitter and Discord and other developer communities. I create content based on their um, pain points. And based on their feedback, I like to close the feedback loop and share it with our team so that we can improve our technology. And by night, I'm building a community in public called Blockchain Ladies Club. And it's for anyone who identifies as a woman and is passionate about breaking into the blockchain industry. And our goal is to pretty much enable um, women everywhere to become trailblazers in the field through education, connection, and some hands-on activities. So that's a little bit about who I am. Okay, excellent. Yeah, thanks for uh, giving us the full spectrum of what you work on. I can think the ne- the most natural next question is like, what does magic do? And uh, no pun intended, but also, what is magic? <laughs> Yeah, so Magic is a developer SDK that helps you build a passwordless login into your app. And we support email magic links, um, social logins, and web authn. So that's what we do. And we pretty much cater for indie hackers or startups who don't want to roll out their own authentication solution from scratch or also for big teams who want to transition from their existing auth solution to a more modern one that can help scale with them. So that is what Magic does. Okay, that's an excellent problem to be uh, sort of trying to solve because I, I I guess the magic link thing I only originally saw when Slack implemented into their their platform. Mm-hmm. I think at this point everybody kind of gets what Slack is, but um yeah, I have a ton of Slacks that I'm a part of and there are Slacks that I've used different emails for and I just don't know what is when and where and how. And I love that feature of this whenever I get a new laptop, just give me the magic link, I'm gonna open up my email and then I have access to the Slacks. So it sounds like that's the approach for magic, I guess one of the feature sets. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the best thing about that is, hey, I don't need to remember my password. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because earlier I was just logging on to my Facebook and that's like the one app I barely use nowadays. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Facebook, please don't ask me for my password because I do not know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the same way. Uh, I have a Facebook. I've had it since the beginning, basically. And um, I don't know what it is because I had to get a very challenging password. So that way I get, I stopped getting <laughs> hacked. Um, <laughs> actually, my Facebook. Facebook's never been hacked, but 
other people, their Facebook gets hacked. And I'm having the same issues with Instagram as well. I don't know the password. So I use like one pass or, or last pass actually is what I use. And um, I prefer it that way. I don't want to know the password. And I would love to have a link that goes to my email. And that way my email is super locked down as well for other reasons. But yeah, that's pretty cool. So I'm curious though, uh, you have an interesting introduction into tech. Uh, can you talk about how you got into development and how did you fall into uh, working at Magic? Yeah, I love to. So I started my engineering career back in 2016. Funny story. So just to make it really short, um, when I was in college, I was a proposed film major. And I was, I thought my naive self back then, I was young and naive. And I didn't think that I would make it in the film industry because I didn't have that many connections. And so I made the switch to um, the tech industry. But coming from an artsy background, um, I, I was never good at, you know, the engineering classes because that wasn't provided in my high school, you know, or I never took it up yeah. um, or any of the scientific like courses. Right. So I struggled a lot in college in my CS courses. Like I switched to this major called technology and information management system and I actually like did really well in those classes, but with my computer science courses, I failed a lot of them like multiple times. And it's not just because I struggled with them, but because, you know, because of other personal reasons as well. And those struggles stacked on top of each other made it super hard to focus on school. And I actually got kicked out of college because I, my GPA was so low. It was rock bottom, um, got kicked out and as soon as that happened, I said to myself or I promised myself like, Hey, what the heck, Mary Chris? Like we can become, we can do it. We can pass CS. Actually, we can become a software engineer. You know, I was talking to myself. I can become a software engineer. And so I made it a goal to achieve that. I was going to apply for App Academy actually, but then out of like pure luck and, you know, what I like to call what is it? Serendipity? I, yes, exactly. Serendipity. Um, I met a couple friends who was learning how to program and they invited me over and we just learned how to program together, built like this entire nonprofit that teaches developers how to code. So yeah, that's how I started. And it was a, a much better learning experience for me um, at that point in my life. Okay. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that answers my question uh, pretty well too as well. And I, you know, everybody's got a different story and how they sort of navigate through tech. And I think sometimes uh, people can provide an underwhelming response where it's like, oh, I just got a CS degree, which is like, there's more to the story of like, you got a CS degree, you got a CS degree from where you studied how and CS degrees don't necessarily give you the app, like the skill set to just go and build projects. So like there usually people have a story of how they've fell in love with actually, you know, JavaScript or Ruby, whatever it is. So thank you for going down that sort of memory lane with us. And um, I want to circle back to magic mm-hmm. and find out, because you had mentioned your your day and your night life. And I'm curious of how magic sort of coincides with things like blockchain and Web3. Yeah, I realized I didn't answer your other question. It's going to be a good segue to this yeah. question that you asked. But I got into magic just recently, like um, over half a year ago. And because Magic caters to the blockchain and Web 3.0 space as well, that's how I fell down the rabbit hole of crypto and blockchain and all that good stuff. So um, it's been a really wild ride. Magic is in that blockchain and Web 3.0 space um, because 
One thing uh, new users might not know about Magic is that the company was rebranded from being a blockchain company called Fourthmatic. Okay, and Fourthmatic pretty much made it easier um, for DApp developers to create apps that users can easily sign into. So they made it easier to sign into decentralized apps. Yeah. And it's pretty much an alternative to um, MetaMask, which is a wallet that is used to interact with the Ethereum blockchain. But Fourthmatic took the developer experience um, a step further than MetaMask and simplified it by removing the need for a browser extension. Okay. Yeah. And other features that like added more friction to the DAP development. And feel free to jump in if I'm like talking too fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, uh, the light bulbs are going off because um, so the, the previous episode I had a pick where I did a blockchain series. It was focused on Web three and how you can build on top of Web three with the graph. So the one thing I haven't done yet is that connection to MetaMask because I wanted to build the steps. And for listeners, this is on my YouTube account, YouTube.com/slash/bdougie, and there's a Web three series. And I did do the MetaMask thing because I wanted to set the groundwork of like, what are we actually doing? And how do you basically implement with something on the blockchain? And that's as far as I've gotten. So it's a very much a Jamstack app. Uh, it talks to an existing API that's already on the blockchain. And the next step is connecting MetaMask. So now I'm like thinking, oh, try this do auth with, uh, <laughs> with Magic instead. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Or, you know, try to do it with Magic and then try MetaMask and then tell us how that goes. Well, I've done, I've done the MetaMask thing because thanks okay. to Natter Dabbit, who's, uh, now works, uh, for Edge and Node, uh, mm-hmm. for a blockchain company. And he's done some courses where he, built a full stack blockchain application, mm-hmm. showed you how to do everything. I've done all that. So I've got like that under my belt. But also I knew how confusing that was and I get it now. But I want to be able to like his course is like 90 minutes long. I want to do this in 10 minutes. So like that's basically where I'm at. I'm trying to do it in a, a way where it's not 90 minutes. It's it's a 10 minute thing. Whoa. All right. That's awesome. I, I can't wait for that video because I've been watching the rest of the series, which has been okay, really excellent. good by the way. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just going back to what I was saying about like Magic being rebranded from Fourthmatic, uh, Fourthmatic just provided like a really great developer experience, you know, for DApp developers and they loved it. And um, this was back in 2018, right? So um, they loved it so much that Fourthmatic was being used by like 30% of all publicly listed DApps at the time of measurement back in 2018. So that's when the team realized that they needed to target a larger and more addressable market. So they decided to move into the mainstream space and provide a familiar auth solution to um, Web 2.0 developers, which is just us, you know, mainstream developers. Yeah. Um, but what's really cool about our auth solution is that it offers the security of cryptocurrencies, but it's abstracted away, you know? So users and developers are pretty much using the capabilities of the blockchain without even realizing it. So that's how we cater for Web 3.0 developers and like how we're in that space. Uh, we just provide like a really great and easy auth solution to integrate with. And like developers can get started in minutes. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is, uh, the reason why this podcast exists with the Jamstack is that we want listeners of this podcast are looking for solutions that they don't have to build from scratch mm-hmm. and they can just worry about getting their apps up and running or getting their projects up and running. I've got, in the last couple of episodes, I've had so many different perspectives of how people sort of got navigated through 
towards the Jamstack. And um, like I think of Elder JS and Nick, who is focused on just building a product, bringing a product that has a really good SEO play on top of Spelt. If he's going to do an auth solution, he doesn't really need to know if it's blockchain or if it's you know hosted on AWS or if it's hosted somewhere else. All we need is a, just a tool to solve a problem. And I, I like this approach too as well because I find with Web3 technologies, sometimes they can get a little too intense about talking about Web3. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like veganism. Like It's cool you're vegan, but if you like try to preach to me on like how veganism makes you levitate or whatnot... <laughs> I think that's cool, but I, I'm I'm gonna basically like call BS on that. Um, uh-huh. And I think with blockchain, I think sometimes we can talk more, way more about levitation and not about the projects you shift. Uh, and I think Magic is, is a good example of like you don't need to understand you know decentralization and crypto and all this other stuff if you're just trying to have authentication to your project. So right. hopefully, the, <laughs> I don't know if I'm preaching to you or if I'm preaching to the, the listeners, but uh, I just happen to be digging into a lot of this Web three stuff and quite interested in like how it works and what the evolution looks like. No, I pretty much share the same sentiment. And what's really cool with working at Magic is as a developer advocate, um, I advocate for, you know, beginner developers in Web 2.0 all the way to Web 3.0 developers. So the content that we release, it either is diving deep into the technology or um, just showing developers just the value magic can offer to them and in a really quick and easy way. So it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. And I so I understand the like the concepts around MetaMask and like why we use that so they can validate against the actual Ethereum protocols. So how does magic do that? And how is that like how do you remove the the need of a like a Chrome extension, which is basically every blockchain app I interact with and need a wallet associated to it. I got to use this MetaMask Chrome extension, which in 2018 felt very weird. So I would never use, I only use it in the Brave browser. I never use it in Chrome because I just felt kind of weird having access to a wallet associated with money that also had a, a weird price that kept going up and down. So I guess my question is like, how's that connection made with Magic? Yeah, so our product is just a developer SDK, right? So Got when it. you um, integrate with Magic, you can integrate it on, on the client side and the user logs in, they are generated a public and private key pair. And that's generated in an iframe that's not accessible to you, um, the developer, inside of the browser. So this is just a special iframe that I I personally haven't dug deep into yet, yeah. but um, that's pretty much, I think, actually, I don't know how it replaces the wallet, <laughs> but I know that's like a key part of it. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking through SDK and it looks like it's backed by EtherJS too as well. Uh, so like, I think it's how you validate what's happening on there. Yeah. But I think it's maybe an exercise for the listener to uh, go, definitely check it out and see if it works within like the projects you're working on. I have a project I just mentioned that I'm probably going to be adding this to as a little demo, and uh, I will definitely report back because it'd be really cool to get Magic as a uh, get uh, featured in my ongoing series at the moment. Awesome, cool. From your perspective, because like you had the the knowledge of building modern web apps, so I'm curious, where do you see Web three going in the future? Um, do you see more developers adopting this? You see more companies starting to embed this. So like with Magic, we saw them pivot in. Not even pivot, but basically bring on more developers by letting in modern web developers and giving them an onboarding path. Uh, do you see more companies doing that, onboarding more modern web developers? But also, do you see the inverse of AWS now allowing blockchain services to work uh, within AWS? 
Whoa. I mean, we're already seeing a lot of like solutions to make the developer onboarding much easier and faster. So that's definitely happening. The only thing that comes to mind that I don't know why I worry about, but right now it's a, it's a new space, you know, like there are engineers that are still trying to figure out the infrastructure of this new internet. So it's interesting that we're already trying to abstract away all these technologies when they're not even in their mature stage yet, you know? Yeah. So that's why I think that, you know, if you're a developer or anyone, actually, you don't even have to be a developer. You can be a developer advocate or like uh, someone in market. If you're someone who wants to contribute in this new realm of technologies where things are coming up as new, I guess, and you want to provide your feedback to improve the product, like this is the time to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I actually I had a video on YouTube talking about how to grow as a developer uh, really quickly. And it, I stand by this, find a company that's growing and looking for users and build stuff with them and then grow as that company is growing. Because imagine if you use AWS back in like, you know, 2009, 2010, I don't know when it actually first started becoming this conglomerate, but uh, all those like tiny services, you would be a, a, like an expert, like staff level, distinguished level engineer, because you built your entire experience on this new technology or even pick on serverless or lambdas, building your entire career on top of this technology that's now pretty viable, but also it's synonymous everywhere. And everybody wants to do serverless. And I think with Web3, very similarly, like if you just spend some time in a a tutorial or a screencast or whatnot, uh, and then grow as folks are figuring things out, I think that was the time to kind of grow. Because I think in like four or five years from now, we're going to have a lot of really distinguished experts in the space. And then everybody else will just be catching up as things are sort of growing. Which on that note, I wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned the SDK, but where's a good place for folks to get started with Magic uh, today? Yeah, the best place is um, to go into our documentation. So if you go to magic.link, you'll see our docs um, right there at the front page. And we also have another page called Guides where we have a lot of integrations with a variety of technologies. Okay, excellent. I see uh, Next.js right there. And Next.js was my choice um, uh, framework to actually do my guide in my series. So yeah, I'll definitely be in touch. Uh, I'm actually surprised on how serendipitous this was of a conversation because it was very timely because I just completed my fourth video in the series and uh, I'll be doing the fifth one, which will hopefully start implementing some of the, the more of the Web3 stuff. So yeah, thanks so much for that conversation. And uh, at this point, I'd love to transition us to picks. So these are jam picks, things that we're jamming on. Could be music, food, technology related. So anything that's sort of keeping you hype throughout this pandemic or the, throughout these days. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, and then... Uh, I would love to hear what what you're jamming on as well. Um, so one, I just got a, telepr- a teleprompter. Teleprompter is a brand. <laughs> prompter People is the brand that I, I end up going with. I got a prompter because I do a lot of YouTube content, as I alluded to multiple times in this conversation. And um, I'm finding that some of the more talking head, like long-standing conversations to myself uh, and the the viewer, uh, using a prompter is like pretty nice. And what I've been doing is 
I have a little uh, dock that I put right next to my camera on my monitor, and then I just stare at that. But uh, what I want to start trying out is some longer-winded conversations to use a prompter instead. Mm-hmm. So prompterpeople.com, uh, my coworker leveraged them and got like a prompter for a couple hundred bucks. Uh, so I ended up getting an iPad-powered prompter. It's cheaper because I bring the iPad, and then it mirrors it on the screen. And then you could also take a mic, so plug in a mic, uh, and sort of like put it somewhere out of frame. Mm-hmm. And then the prompter, you get the prompter people app and it will actually scroll through as you're saying. So it uses a bit of um, speech recognition in what's on the screen to roll through the prompter as you're talking. So I, I literally have it set up over here. Uh, I can't wait to try it because uh, yeah, it's just going to hopefully level myself up as in creating videos mm-hmm. or it's going to slow me down and I'll just get rid of it. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure because I haven't actually used it yet for anything. But yeah, I don't know. Have you have any experience using a prompter? I don't think I have, but I imagine it would be helpful. I mean, don't like newscasters use it? <laughs> yeah. I, so I had an opportunity. Um, I did uh, MC at GitHub Universe. And for GitHub Universe, we had the actual script as we were talking. So like all the jokes, we sort of read by them first. So we sort of typed it in like beforehand. But every joke, everything was just directly from the script. And what would have been really nice is actually having a prompter for that script. Um, so... Hindsight, I guess, is twenty twenty. So next time I do an MC, I will have specifically the stuff I need to actually talk about because I'm a bullet point type of person. So mm-hmm. if I can remember the bullet points, what I need to talk about, I have no problem talking. But I don't always remember the bullet points, so I usually skip something, and it's it's quite annoying, and can't always go back and re-record things. So yeah. um, highly recommend if you're doing video content on the internet or anywhere else, uh, look into getting a prompter. Yeah. I feel like it'd be a lot of pressure just reading it. I'm, I'm sure there's a way to make it go slow, though. So yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you, you can leverage sensitivity. Now I'm I'm talking all out of. I only watched a ton of YouTube videos, so the thing just came yesterday, and I haven't had time to uh, to actually open it up and mess around with it. But I did a lot of research, and uh, this is the one I ended up with. Uh, so I'll report back, y'all. Actually, I'll probably just end up doing a, a video or a Twitter thread talking about my experience. So everybody knows how to find me on the internet. Yeah. Cool. And I had one more pick, which is a show that I've kind of been hooked on. Uh, and I have no idea why. Um, but this show called Kevin Can F Himself, uh, it sounds very harsh, but um, it actually is. Um, so it's an AMC show, I think. I've been watching it on Prime or Apple TV or something, mm-hmm. but it's available on the internet. And it starts as if it was like a laugh track type comedy. Uh, so like Big Bang Theory, but I think more of like um, King of Queens type comedy uh, based in Boston. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess the catch about it is like the wife actually kind of hates her husband. <sighs> and every time she's out of frame, like not on the same frame as her husband, it turns into a very dark show. I don't know how to explain this any better, but except probably just watch the trailer. I think it's, the way they've approached it, I think it's kind of amazing. Like I just kind of really interested in trying to figure out like why is this set up this way? And uh, yeah, I mean, if you like hour-long dramas, uh, this is one that I would highly recommend checking out. Whoa, yeah, that sounds really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of exciting, do you have any uh, picks for us, Mary Chris? So any any picks that I'm jamming on? Yeah, anything could be music, could be food that you had recently. And I know you're based in Santa Cruz, uh, so any sort of uh, local information you could provide for folks who maybe might be down there in the future. Hint myself, I, I go down there once a year. Um, so, <laughs> Oh man, I guess I have been jamming on going to the gym and uh, oh, nice. yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, but you know, with 
the CDC um, recommendation of wearing masks. Um, I see a lot more people wearing masks. So there's an inside scoop in, from Santa Cruz. Uh, I pretty much Excellent. stay home uh, most of the time with my, my two dogs and two cats. Um, but that is one thing I'm jamming on. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And I honestly, I just read did my Y membership. Uh, so I haven't been to the gym yet. Uh, I signed up online and I'll probably be there this weekend, but yeah, it's been what? Almost two years, maybe 18 months at this point of no in gym time. So I have picked up, which has been a previous pick on the podcast. I picked up interlocking weights and kettlebells and yeah. have a very small gym set up at home just to keep myself active. <laughs> That's nice. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for the conversation. I can't wait. Actually, I'm, I say this all the time in the podcast, but I'm, I'm legitimately saying this. I can't wait to actually try Magic, uh, but I'll go to the website, Magic Link, which I didn't mention. That's a great URL. <laughs> so whoever got that, right? uh, whoever sniped that, um, hats off. They should have a raise. Listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 